You're listening to the Pure Fury Creations Entertainment Network. The views and opinions expressed on this episode are those of the speaker and do not necessarily reflect the views, opinions, or philosophies of the PFC Entertainment Network or any of the affiliates that make this show possible. This show has also been rated M for mature audiences only. I'm Jason Klaus, and over the course of my life, I have done a lot of different things worn a lot of different hats. But this may be my greatest endeavor yet. Welcome to my show, where on here we will discuss anything and everything that happens in the world around us and how we can go about making things better for you, for me, and everybody that we share this world with. I may go on rants, I will go on sidebars, but it all comes from the heart. Welcome to the Close to the Heart podcast, the flagship show of the PFC Entertainment Network. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Klaus to the Heart podcast, the flagship show of the PFC Entertainment Network. I uh, certainly appreciate you tuning in. I am Jason Klaus, and uh, we have a very, this is going to be a extraordinary episode for a number of reasons. Now, um, if you've listened to the show for the last handful of weeks, either you have heard her on the show or you have heard me talk about her on the show because I've used her story and her time here as um, examples of what can be uh, when we're faced with things that we feel are insurmountable. And her last appearance on here that aired here on the PFC Network provided a story that was very inspirational. And it lets people know that no matter what you may be going through, there is light at the end of the tunnel. Now, the backstory is uh, Janelle Jones is with me. And in between the last time she was on the show to where we are now, a lot of things have happened. A lot of things have transpired. And in between where she was at, in her last appearance here to where we are now, it's been something of a roller coaster. Would you say that that's accurate? Yeah, I mean, it was like... <laughs> <laughs> so, full disclosure, uh, you know, it was a given that we were going to have her back on to continue the story to do something of a follow-up and to peel the curtain back a little bit. This is actually our second time recording the follow-up episode. Yeah, that was fun, wasn't it? It, it was, <laughs> and it was one of those things, much like how it materialized here today. Um, the last time I was over here, you you called me or you sent me a message. You're like, I am ready to record the follow-up. 
and you know you and i are friends outside of this realm and like i pay attention to what you put on social media and when something comes across my radar that causes me any kind of concern like i'm real quick to message you hey what the hell is going on and i appreciate that so much i mean there's days that i'm struggling and i wake up and i have a message from you and it's it's encouraging and it's um it makes me feel very warm inside and um i'm very grateful for our friendship well i mean i am too you know i i try to surround myself with good people and uh you know you you definitely you definitely fit that bill with me. You have never screwed me over or anything like that. And knowing how important something like this is to you, I take it very, very seriously. You know, yeah, you'd know. Um, I always warn people, you better look both ways before you cross me. Yeah. So. <laughs> True story. Um, but it's safe to say that very rapidly after your last appearance, on the show here the bottom fell out oh yeah with the quickness mm -hmm. and when we tried recording this the last time it was day of a lot of bullshit that came down your pipe yes and it was coming from a place of anger and i'm not proud of that so um i messaged you after i listened to it yeah um you sent you sent it to me right and i listened to it and although i was pleased with parts of it um i didn't think it represented um, my mental health journey and it was more um raw emotion and uh just anger right so i wanted to come back and uh revisit this topic and uh you know i was 100 percent on board with that because you know you had and I knew when you sent the message that said, you know, can we pull it? <laughs> I I knew I knew why without you even saying anything about it. Well yeah, because it was like a it was like a fuck you letter to yeah. <laughs> some people that I know. <laughs> it that's a good way of putting it. In in a very uh very public route. Yes. Uh so we're we've taken a couple of weeks since then and you have kind of regrouped in some aspects there's other ones that you know you're still dealing with and so essentially we are going to do the follow-up here so i mean kind of talk me through you know what the hell went on how did the bottom fall out so fast and what were the contributors that played a role in this um well i had um kind of a rapid decline of my mental health um, from the last time we recorded. Um, I can blame some of that on weather changing because everybody um, gets kind of the winter blues. Seasonal depression. Yes. Yeah. And uh, I'm grateful that there's no snow, but the rainy weather is, you know, not conducive of happy gray gloomy <laughs> yeah. yeah it's kind of doom and gloom out sure so i mean that could make anybody feel you know a little bit down and out um so normally in the winter time i do get a little bit depressed but um i'm active in my mental health journey and uh if i'm feeling that way i usually talk to my psychiatrist and i can get maybe 
a mood stabilizer or a little jump on things so I don't get too depressed. Um, unfortunately, that's not what happened this time around. Um, I had some outside influences that um, affected my mental health. Uh, I should really try to stop saying um all the time. <laughs> Listen, it only happens in the first couple of minutes because once you get acclimated to what's going on, then you're 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 off. And I just feel like my brain is buffering. So <laughs> uh, anyway, um, I had some outside influences uh, affect my mental well being. Um, I went through a breakup with somebody I was in a relationship with. Uh, for three years. Um, so that was, um, you know, not a happy time. Um, and then I started being friendly with someone new and, uh, I was really enjoying my time with them. And, uh, I'm going to try to be kind of candid about, um, who they are and, um, like I won't use any names or anything as not to offend them or um, put them on blast. Yeah, sure. <laughs> like I did in the previous recording. Yeah. Um, so I got kind of close uh, to someone new and um, parts of his life started leaching into mine. And uh, when uh, <clears throat> When that starts happening, um, you know, you're taking on the feelings of the other person and there was a lot of conflict there. Um, conflict is, is seldom good. Right. So, uh, yeah, that was a difficult time for me. Um, a lot of other things happened uh, with that, too. Um, I started getting, um, like, harassed. Uh, by his ex-girlfriend, and then she started, um, like, recruiting other people to harass me. So that was a fun time for me. Um, when somebody is actively trying to hurt you um, and, and tearing apart your character or uh, picking on your looks or the things that you enjoy doing, um, that can be difficult on you uh yeah that wasn't a very good time for me i want to say too with that with that aspect of it you know a lot of times when people come out and they say this has been going on i feel like i've been bullied i feel like i've been targeted i feel like i'm being harassed a lot of people will not all the time, but a lot of them will be like, oh, you're blowing it out of proportion or oh, you're, I was not, you're taking <laughs> shit too personally. I saw with my own eyes a definitive, um, for lack of a better term, proof that verifies your statements. Oh, yeah. I yeah. got to see it in, I mean, laid out right in front of me, pages and pages of stuff. Uh, so to say, and I'm just saying this to reiterate, to say that you were being harassed, that is essentially putting it lightly. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. it was so. It, it was, was severe. It really was. It was very severe. Uh, so severe that I had to go to the FBI office and um, report the cyberbullying. 
and I had to go down to uh, the courthouse, uh, downtown Flint, and file three PPOs. Um, it was that bad. Uh, so, uh, yeah, that wasn't a good time. And all that contributed, just the stress and everything contributed to the decline of my mental health. Um, and once you, once you start declining, um, it's hard to pull yourself out of that, especially when um, no one is there to, like, support you. Um, and I shouldn't say that. Um, that I didn't have a support group because I have, I have a great support group. Um, you are one of them. Uh, I have, I have a very good group of friends that have, uh, contributed to me coming out of this. Um, but during the time of, of my depressive episode, um, I was holding a lot back. Uh, I was, I was, being very withholding about some stuff. Um, normally, I'm very transparent on Facebook, so I was making some posts, and uh, actively in these posts, I was asking the people harassing me to stop harassing me. Um, like this, this girl, she, um, my profile on Facebook is set to friends only. Mm-hmm. But there are some posts that I make public, and those posts I was making public so that she could see them, and uh, she would have other people message me, private message me, and just, like, ream me, and ream me for things that I wasn't doing. You know, I, I didn't break up their relationship. Their relationship was over before we started anything. Mm -hmm. And uh, she was making me out to be the bad guy. She even messaged him, like a text message, and she said to him, which I find comical, uh, can you please have Janelle um, make her profile private so I don't have to look at any of her stuff? Okay, first of all, you and I are not friends. You are actively coming to my page and looking at my stuff. Why don't you have some self-control and stop looking at it? Right. That's a you problem, not a me problem. You hear stuff like this. You hear behavior like this that is generally um, associated with late teens, <laughs> early 20s, that type of thing. We're not talking about that age demo here, are we? No, these, these women that were harassing me are all, like, in their 40s or close to being in their 40s. Late 30s, early mm -hmm. 40s, that's like old yep. enough to not act like a juvenile delinquent. Yes. It, it, from my estimation, take it for what it's worth. But, look, I didn't write the script. I'm just going on what, what I'm being told here. <laughs> that uh, that mentality just does not fly in this day and age uh, if you're supposed to be a respectable adult. Again, just my opinion. Um. I can't say that I'm the most mature person either because um, I was retaliating, but I was only retaliating because I wasn't being defended by the people that should have been defending me. Um, if you're not going to do it, I'm going to do it. True. And, and I see what, what you're saying there, 
but you you turn around and and answered the own your own thing because you, you weren't going to their page to start a fight. No, you, never. You were retaliating or you were responding to what these people were were seeking out and putting on your wall. Yes. So it's not like I I I don't know. You have every right to to defend yourself and I see what what you were trying to do. You know, stay the hell off my page, but you're making a point at the same time for everybody that's not directly involved. You're trying to conduct yourself in the best way possible when you given the circumstances of cyberbullying is a huge problem. Yes, and it's it's hard to to be gracious in in situations like that because although I want to take the high road, sometimes you have to get down on the low road with them to get your point across. Mm-hmm. I mean, what do they say um about being on the same level with somebody, you have to be on the same level with somebody to to impact them. So, although I'm not proud of my behavior, um, I feel like the only way they were going to get my point was to do the same things that they were doing to me. Right. I mean, you know, and anybody that knows you on any level no they know i'm petty (laughs) well listen if you could because like you said this is not how you usually could conduct yourself (laughs) in in, in that realm so if you find yourself in a situation in 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 defense mode because like you said those who probably should have stepped up to defend you were not you feel like you were being failed on that level oh for sure you have no other recourse but to stick up for yourself right so in order for you to do that, you'd be like, wow, it's escalated to this, to where she is forced to engage in this bullshit. Well, it's the basic, like, fight or flight thing. Yeah. I mean, sure, I could have just ignored it. But um, if somebody is constantly, and I'm talking like this was constant for like three weeks, mm-hmm. like day in and day out of harassment. Mm-hmm. Um you were at my house that night recording the second uh, part of this episode that we scrapped. Right. When she came to my house and put something in my mailbox. Mm-hmm. Like she, she found my address on the internet and came to my house. Like that's, that's borderline. That's not even borderline stalking. That is stalking. Yeah, and you're toying around with federal offenses at this point when you start fucking around with, you know, mail and, you know, infiltrating somebody's homestead. I mean, you're looking at a number of different issues here uh, that just hammers hammers home just how unbelievable this whole situation materialized, how fast it materialized, materialized. And what pisses me off about it on a personal level is that it caused some degree of unraveling for for you after you had worked so hard to get to a good spot. Absolutely. Um, During the recording of the very first episode that we did about mental illness, Mm -hmm. um, I was in such a good place. Yes, you were. And um, it's almost saddening to me to 
realize that I let people affect my mental health. When I'm normally good about setting like healthy boundaries, um, all that went out the window. Um, there were no rules for what happened to me here. Nobody was playing by the rules because there were none. Right. <laughs> um, and it's, it is so hard to ignore um, things when people are actively tearing you down as a person. Um, they were tearing my looks apart. They were tearing my work apart, my, like my side work um, outside of GM. They were um, like assuming that I was a homewrecker or something like that, which is not true. Um, it's all of that contributed to my downfall in my mental health. And digging myself out of that hole has been extremely difficult. Um, I mentioned in the first episode, like sometimes I lay in bed at night and I can replay things that people have said about me. And it's almost like it festers in your brain. And for those three weeks, I would lay in bed like, okay, maybe I am ugly or maybe I am a whore or maybe I am, you know, whatever else they were saying about me. Now, now that I'm in a better place, I know that I am none of those things, but um, it's hard to block that stuff out. And um, I don't know, anybody who knows me knows that I'm not that. Right. It, uh, <clears throat> one thing that I picked up on between the, the first time I was here and the second time I was here was your, or your fundamental aura. Yeah, and I, I mentioned it as soon as I walked in here the the second time. Like that's I knew based on how you got a hold of me and that you were ready to record and combine that with what I had seen that you had posted on on your Facebook page leading up to that. Like I knew something was off, something had gone south. I didn't realize on what level it was until I walked in here because mm-hmm. you know you greet me at the door and the your aura on on the first day was upbeat it Light was and happy. yes yes most definitely mm-hmm. um when i came back it was off i'm not saying it was catastrophic by any stretch of the imagination but there was because i'm dialed into you mm-hmm. um it, it didn't take me any longer than five seconds to feel that. I'm like, God damn, this is where we're at. And I knew right then that it was on a deeper level than what, what I had anticipated. Yeah, you kind of walked in and like Limp Bizkit's break stuff started playing. Yeah. And I was like, let's do this. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but the, the overall feeling of just raw anger oh yeah is not something that i have ever experienced with you no and i was angry for like 
like two solid weeks, like just angry. Mm -hmm. Um, anger is not an emotion that I am comfortable having. Um, I like to be the jokester and I like to be lighthearted and upbeat and, um, you know, approachable. And during those like two weeks that I was in my like anger nest, um, I didn't want to speak to anybody. I didn't want um, people to visit me or um, even text me because I knew that my interaction with them was not going to be a genuine interaction from who I am. Um, they were going to get like Janelle light, um, the more um, melancholy or um, abrasive version of me. And uh, that's not who I like to present to the world. Uh, and that's difficult to to have those feelings and not be able to get rid of them. Um, that's something that um, most people um, have this consciousness of how they're feeling and they can kind of like tune the dial to, okay, this person is a friend, I should be nicer to them and, and kind of holster how I'm feeling. At, during those two weeks, I couldn't do that. So I was combative with almost everybody. I'd pick fights with my mom or take something she said wrong, um, pick fights with some of my closest friends. And uh, that's, that's harmful. It's harmful to the, your relationship with those people. And I have no one to blame for that but myself. You know, I have to take accountability for those actions and uh, those feelings that I was having. But now, now that I'm on the upswing of things, I'm doing like damage control and uh, I'm apologizing. Like, hey, I wasn't really acting myself. You know, when we had that conversation, I want you to know I care about you and I'm sorry. And I'm trying to, you know, do right by that. I want to dive more into this, <laughs> this part of it. Okay. The, the damage control part of it, because this is going to take the conversation into a different sidebar here but yeah. I, I want to give it ample time so let's run a quick time out sure and when we come back we will dive more into you know more of what you went through the damage uh, control and your ability to come out of it and let later on we'll touch on where we're at right now yeah and uh so with that uh stick around more of the Klaus to the heart podcast is right after this At any given time, everybody is going through something in their lives, and they need perhaps another perspective on how to tackle it. Maybe they need to be motivated. Maybe they need to be inspired. Hey everybody, I'm Jason Klaus, and we are inviting you to join us once a month as my friend Waddell Edwards and I take to the airwaves of Orion Neighborhood Television for the Klaus and Q Show. Each month, we will tackle a topic that will inspire you that will try to put things in a different perspective and to let you know that no matter what you're dealing with it's going to be okay 
It's the Klaus and Hughes Show, every month over on ONTV. You can find it exclusively on Facebook.com forward slash Orient ONTV. The Klaus and Hughes Show, as part of the PFC Entertainment Network. Welcome back to the Klaus and Hart Podcast, the flagship show of the PFC Entertainment Network. Uh, we certainly appreciate you tuning in. And Janelle Jones is back with me this week, and uh, we're doing kind of a follow-up to her previous uh, appearance on the show. Part two. Part two, for sure. Listen, they say that the sequels very rarely live up to the originals. I don't feel like that's the case here. So (laughs) uh, be that as it may, uh, we, we took a break there because you mentioned something as... You know, we we laid out the groundwork that the last time I was here, and we and and we did this for the first episode dealing with mental health. You were in a good spot. The bottom fell out pretty quickly. Yes. You <laughs> kind kind of talked us through there. Then you said damage control as you were trying to figure out the how, what, why, where, and why all this bullshit happened and everything that you've had to do in defense mode as you're trying to navigate through all this and now you're you're coming out of a pretty damning situation where there is uh the likes of bullying going on harassment uh, there's just all kinds of different layers happening here but how it affected your mental health and subsequently how you corresponded with people in your life that are on your side or that do care about you. You, mm-hmm. you described as being very combative. You were very, um, you know, very much going through very raw emotions and yes. you tried to kind of, dial yourself back but you know people would kind of reach out to you and you didn't want to give them what you called a lighter version of yourself Mm -hmm. right so then now we're coming into a portion that i think a lot of people um who deal with similar situations go through and that is the damage control and i guess my first question with this part of it is when you are embarking on on this particular part and you are contacting people you're apologizing and things of this nature how is that met how was that received for for the most part um for the most part i think it's received with um confusion um they either they either are still upset with me or they don't understand why I treated them that way, or they're not understanding why I'm apologizing. Maybe they felt like they weren't owed an apology, but because we're on the subject of apologizing, um, I owe you an apology. Um, During my um, depressive episode, um, I got very, very, um, depressed and so depressed that I had to make an emergency appointment with my psychiatrist. And I made some 
posts on Facebook that might have led people to believe that I was going to um, self-harm. Um, I know that you reached out to me in that time, and I kind of was evasive with you. And um, you are one of my greatest supporters in my mental health journey. So I am sorry that I, um, I didn't explain things to you um, on a deeper, um, more personal level. And I let you worry about me. And I'm sorry that I let you worry. <clears throat> well, <laughs> I, I guess I would fall in, in, in line with one of those people that didn't feel like I was owed an apology because you responded in any way. And as long as I got some sort of response, I knew things weren't as dire as what they would be perceived to be. Because I feel like at this point, you know, I, I have a pretty good understanding of what makes you tick. You know, I, I'm dialed in with you. I, you know, and I, I, at this stage of my life, I don't really spend a tremendous amount of time um, getting to know people on that level beyond what would be a typical correspondent, right? But like you and I have known each other a long time. Yes, and, we have. And your story resonates. Um, you resonate. So I, I, and you're right. It was one of your posts that made me reach out because I just. Yeah, because it was like three o'clock in the morning. It was. And um, I was, I was going through it. Um, but I, I just felt like I owe you an apology because I have a lot of respect for you. And I don't ever want you to think that I um, am unappreciative of you um, looking out for me. <laughs> and I get that. And, and I appreciate the apology. And I accept it. I mean. Good. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I knew at that time. I had a pretty good idea of what was happening mm -hmm. and that's why I didn't push the issue. And that's where a lot of people wouldn't, if they don't take the time to really figure out what makes you tick, they will keep pushing and prodding in, in an effort to let the, you know that they are on your side. But you know, I knew you needed time to process a lot of different emotions. Yeah. And I just, I want to remind people like, the urge to self-harm is, um, it's the desire to tell people around you that you don't know how to articulate how you're feeling. So it's almost like you're looking for an easy escape. Right. I, I've not heard it that way before, but that makes absolute total sense. The very next day, I made an appointment for an emergency uh, meeting with my psychiatrist. That speaks volumes of where you are with your mental health. You know what I'm saying? Thank you. <laughs> because how many people would have just gone through whatever it is that they were going through on their own or try to overcome it on their own and they wind up 
I mean, when you are in that state of mind, anything and everything could completely derail you. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, you know, the further, the, the more hits you take in your mind, the further off the path you're going to get knocked off. You, you recognized it, mm-hmm. you knew what had to happen, and you made the effort and you put the wheels in motion to get help immediately. Yeah, I also did some like self-care stuff. Um, I know this is a bit off topic, but um, I took some mental health days um, from work. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about this uh, before we started recording. Um, I took uh, Doc 8. Right. Um, anybody who works at GM understands what a Doc 8 is. Um, I took two days off um, that were unexcused and uh, with no vacation time. Uh, those were personal days for me. They were the days that I met with my psychiatrist for the emergency meeting. I got on uh, another medication to help me come out of this, which I really, I love this word, instrumental. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was uh, <laughs> to get me out of out of my funk. Um, so I needed those days. Um, and... Uh, it's it's more along the lines of uh, I was setting healthy boundaries for myself. Not being around people at work was a healthy boundary for me. You know, um, being alone in my house and focusing on things that I deem important, that was a healthy boundary for me. Not being on my phone texting people was a healthy boundary for me. Uh, those are the things that I did during my dock eight time. Mm-hmm. Um, Not like you're up whooping it up, right? Or partying and all that shit. Right. So, yeah, I get it. Now, it, again, this speaks volumes of where you really are with with your mental health when you can recognize what's happening you know what has to happen to get you back on the right path and that's so admirable in all of this the damage control let me ask you this 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 question with this and then we'll we'll move on further down down the story here sure you said when you have offered apologies to certain people there's confusion Mm -hmm. there's um you know they don't feel like they needed to be apologized to or this, that, and the other thing. Have you been met with a situation, maybe not just with this particular instance, but any time that you have felt like you've had to incorporate damage control, did their response change how you felt or how you approach that individual moving forward because the correspondence between you offering a piece of your soul and really legitimately trying to apologize was not well received. Have you encountered that? I've heard that happen (laughs) a lot. Um, I can think of two instances that, uh, that has happened to me. Um, one recently, um, where I offered an olive branch to someone and they told me that, um, which is, I'm not to get off my train of thought, 
but uh, it's totally valid what they're saying. Okay. Um, and I, I, I truly believe that the best apology is changed behavior. And they want me to do the work. Um, they accepted my apology, but they told me, like, you have work to do on yourself before we could have a friendship again. Can you give an example of what they mean by you got to do the work? Um, last night, um, I was texting with this person, and they told me that um, our friendship bridge was torn down. And I don't have the tools to rebuild it. And that I need to seek out the tools to essentially reform a relationship with them. Um, I want to be respectful of their feelings because apparently my behavior um, has hurt them. And uh, I'm trying to take accountability for that. So until I can build a bridge with them with the proper tools, um, I'm limiting my conversations with them, uh, which is hurtful because they are very close to me. But um, I have to allow them time to heal also. Mm -hmm. And uh, what I did to them um, borderlines um, like emotional abuse. That was going to be my follow-up question, and you just went ahead and answered it. You know, if, if from your perspective, could you see where they were coming from, and you just turn around and answer that? You know, if anytime the word abuse is attached to anything, it's not to be immediately dismissed. It's you know, getting to the bottom of it. Could something have been? said differently that would have not resulted in something in their mind so damning to where you're the, the using the analogy the bridge has been torn down is um pretty significant was this an individual that you've had a long-term friendship or 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 relationship with yes um i was engaged to him and um we have maintained a very good friendship and when i was going through what i was going through um i was kind of guilting him to uh for lack of a better term um save me um you know come here um come save me if you don't you know you you don't care about me and when you are putting that type of um, responsibility on someone, that is emotional abuse. I am playing at his feelings, and I'm trying to manipulate him into doing something that I want him to do. Because he has good mental health, he recognized what I was doing, and he told me, like, you need to get a grasp on yourself. Like, this behavior is unacceptable. You know, like, I'm not coming over. I'm not going to save you. You know, like, you you have to save yourself. And what he meant by that was doing the work to get mentally well. 
and I, I referenced earlier that I made an emergency appointment with my psychiatrist. I did that the very next day. That was part of, you know, my accountability. And in doing so, that was part of my apology to him. Would you have made that appointment had that not been said to you in that context? Mm. Or was that what uh, kind of put the sense of urgency into this? I think that that did put urgency onto this because he was basically telling me, like, you have a problem, you know, and you and this behavior is not acceptable. You are acting out and you're letting your emotions take control over things. And um, he tried to be level headed with me through the whole thing. And uh, I was being erratic. And uh, I'm, again, not proud of this, but I took too much of my medication that night, and I felt groggy the next day. And uh, I tried to blame him for that and, and tell him, like, if you were here, I wouldn't have done that. But that, again, is emotional manipulation and emotional abuse. And I have to take accountability for that. I did that to him. And that, that's doing harm to his mental health. You know, so I'm I'm active and transparent in mine, and that was unfair of me to do that to someone. So his, my damage control and my apology to him was not warmly received. Is that the most extreme example of an, of an apology not being well received? Yes, I mean, I would I would say yes. Yeah. He didn't deserve that. And uh, I was not at my best. So to do, I mean, it's difficult for anybody to really truly put themselves in your situation because of the there's extraordinary circumstances that come into play here um things that as you are dealing with your own um circumstances you get outside influences that are now filtering in and mm -hmm. just putting more crap on top of <laughs> everything else that you already have going on yes it is, I find, uh, whenever I am met with a situation like this and you are, I don't want to say desperate for help or, you know, you start to have that overwhelming feeling and you, when we feel that way, we kind of almost out of instinct, a lot of us will lean on or try to lean into those people we feel most comfortable mm -hmm. with or those that have demonstrated up till that point that they are somebody that you can trust and that they're always gonna be there. But when a lot of times when push comes to shove, you start seeing people for who and what they really are if you're not um, serving a particular- Purpose. Purpose, thank you, that was the exact word. Um, is this something that you have encountered and is a, a contributor to the struggle of getting out of this 
situation or scenario that you're desperately fighting to get out of? I don't know if this will answer the question, but um, the two people that I have been closest to recently are um, the guy I just spoke about and um, the one that his ex-girlfriend had caused me basically to go into this depressive state. Mm -hmm. And uh, on the one hand, um, my ex, um, he's very supportive and uh, he has a good grasp on his mental health and he has always been supportive of me in bettering my mental health. And I can't fault him for not coming to rescue me um, that night because he was setting a healthy boundary for himself. And I acknowledge that and um, I'm taking accountability for my actions and my actions were wrong in that. In that. But um, when you are talking to two very different type of people at the same time, um, sometimes one conversation leaches into the other one and it's undoing all the good stuff that um, you might have been talking about or trying to like better myself. Uh, we spoke about this earlier. Um, another person that I was recently involved with, um, it's very uh, um, <laughs> Dr. <laughs> Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde type thing um, where at one instance he's very supportive and um like you know he's trying to be beneficial to me and at the other point it's like a switch gets flipped and he's a completely different person and then he's undoing all the progress that i've made so when that happens do you acknowledge do you let them know that this is what's happening in real time well i read some of the messages to you earlier yeah. and i mean from my messages you can tell that i'm trying to diffuse things correct where i'm like you're picking fights with me stop doing this i'm done talking to you you know like sort yourself out bud um and I, that is new for me because um Within the last three weeks, um, I was in combative kind of mode, so I would fight back all the time. And it was just this circle or like a cycle of a fight gets started, doesn't matter who starts it, the fight continues, we hate each other, we're not talking, and then the next day we're back to being friends. Um, and then the cycle repeats. Now that alone is damaging to anyone's mental health. Absolutely. Yep. And uh Recently, I had to set a healthy boundary. Um, I'm starting to feel better, and I can't allow that behavior in my life anymore. So um, I said, hey, you can't. I'm done. You know, I'm done talking to you. Sort yourself out. <laughs> and once you get back good, you know, then we can try to be friends again, which is a luxury I should probably not have afforded this person. Well, I can you can make an argument for that, sure, but it kind of speaks volumes on 
I don't want to say what you're willing to accept because that kind of de- defeats the purpose of establishing a boundary. Um, you know, it feels like from my perspective, you really, at the end of the day, you would prefer that things get back on track with this individual, but, yeah, only, I would. but only if there has to be certain boxes that have to be checked. I mentioned earlier, um, the best apology is changed behavior. Correct. So until that behavior changes, I, you're not sorry. You said that this kind of is, is that, is that particular aspect new to you setting and then resetting these boundaries for some, for somebody or that would affect somebody that you have a um, admiration uh, for I guess on a deeper level yeah um I've had to set healthy boundaries with people before in the first episode I told you about my dad's side of the family mm-hmm. and setting healthy boundaries there um so this isn't really new to me the boundary setting but it is new in this aspect I've never really had to set a boundary with somebody I've cared about on an on a romantic level. Mm-hmm. Um, that is new to me, and I don't. I'm uncomfortable doing it. And when I when I said that that's a luxury I probably shouldn't afford him, that's because I'm hoping things do change. Um, am I confident they will? No, I'm not at all. That's pretty significant mm-hmm. unto itself yep. because. A lot of people will disregard that emotion, even if it is something that is dominant in your uh, your thought process right now. You know, you and I have both been in similar situations where we've looked the other way because we have cared about yeah, absolutely, you know, a romantic relationship, mm-hmm. and no one is winning in that situation. Um. We're not getting what we need from them, and they're not getting what they need from themselves. Right. And uh, I don't, um, I don't know how to. <laughs> there has been so much damage done to me within the last three weeks regarding this situation and this person. Um, that even if things got better. Um, I don't think that it would work out because it's hard to do damage control on a situation like that, especially emotional damage, because although your brain is, your brain is realizing that they're apologizing and that they're sorry, your heart is still hurting from that. And the heart takes a long a longer time to heal than you know any other part of your body <laughs> no that's that's very that's very true very true um okay before we get into the next topic of conversation here we're going to run another time out i don't want to rush through it i want to make sure that we have ample time for this so we're going to run one more time out and more of the Klaus of the Heart podcast is right after this. 
Do you have a piece of antique or vintage furniture? Something that may have seen its better days and you want to restore it, you want to bring it back to life? I want to tell you about my friend Andrea Bridges who's doing something very, very cool. She actually is in the business of restoring antique and vintage pieces of furniture. She will take your piece, she will refinish it, she will repaint it, she will restore the magic that it was. And it could have been something that belonged to your grandparents, something that was a favorite piece of your mom and dad, something that means something to you. And you don't want to send it to just anybody. You want to send it to the best. You want to send it to First and Spring Designs located in Hadley, Michigan. You can find them over on Facebook, or you can send Andrea an email at andreagrace2015 at outlook.com. andreagrace2015 at outlook.com. Explain the situation, explain what you would like to have done, and see what Andrea can do for you. Yeah, you could take it to anybody, but you really want to take it to the best for something that means this much to you. So one more time, Look for First and Spring Designs on Facebook. They are located in Hadley, Michigan. Or you can send Andrea an email, andreagrace2015 at outlook.com. If you have antique or vintage furniture that needs to be brought back to life, there's only one place that I would take my articles to, and it's where you need to take your stuff to as well. And welcome back to the Klaus to the Heart podcast, the flagship show of the PFC Entertainment Network. Um, I'm Jason Klaus, being joined by Janelle Jones. And damn, dearie, you know, we've sat <laughs> here for an hour at this point, and uh, you relate an, another incredible chapter of your story. Um, I feel like I'm rambling, but. I don't really Thank think you. you are. You know, you're you've gone through a tremendous amount of bullshit, I'll call it what it is, mm-hmm. in a relatively short and concentrated amount of time. Yes. So I can understand from your perspective why it feels like you're rambling and why you're all over the place, but you're really not. Mm-hmm. You're telling your story, you're you're telling it the best way that that you can with examples and the one thing that continues to impress me, and I don't impress easy, like anybody <laughs> will tell you, like I launched a whole merchandise campaign over not being impressed, um, is your ability to um, accept accountability for things that you have said and done that you could look back on and be like, I probably shouldn't have done it like that. I'm certainly trying. You really are. Um, you know, as we have discussed here just a little bit ago, it's not always, has not and will not always be met favorably. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people are going to have their opinions of it. And, like, I get it. You know, everybody has their own feelings. But this is really, to me, it really, <laughs> I know I'm going to catch heat for this. And <laughs> fuck it, I don't care. I feel like this is when when there's situations like this. You real and I've mentioned this before. You you really start to get a gauge for who and what people really are. Mm-hmm. You know, it may be people that you have 
had some degree of your friendship relationship with on some level and you felt like they were this for this amount of time until push come to shove and yeah there could have been contributors to this but i feel like there has to be a certain degree of a grace period if they are dialed into you yeah and they truly know who you are mm-hmm. and they understand on any level some of the challenges that you endure in order for you to be the best version of yourself there should be a little bit of a grace period there not not fully accepting everything that may have come their way but have at least the capability of taking some of the sting away from it because they are fully dialed into what makes you tick in the aspects that you have described in the couple of of instances where your apologies have not been accepted the way you would have liked or hoped that they would be do you feel like you've had to re and I know you kind of touched on this a little bit ago, but I, I kind of want to use it as a catalyst <laughs> for this next part here. Um, do you do you feel like you have uh, you've had to reevaluate how you feel about this individual or that individual and moving forward as you come out of this, does the role in their lives change? Or does the role, do their roles change in your life? And you kind of alluded right before the break here um, where the situation right now with your most recent um, endeavor. Sure. (laughs) Great word. Great word. Um, Even if, if, if things materialize, ideally, whatever that looks like, there really is uh there's there's a lot of question marks moving forward yes. for lack of a better term we just say that's accurate i think uh yeah that is accurate and or accurate <laughs> um i think one of the um solidifying uh points in my like the change of how i felt happened right before we went on christmas break mm-hmm. um i was um team leader in uh, the body shop and uh, I was speaking to one of my team members at the time uh, his name's Matt and Matt was telling me um, of an interaction he had with this person and uh, he was talking about my doc eight and Matt asked um, hey where's Janelle you know I haven't seen her around I have something for her you know where is she and this guy said, um, she'll probably be back Monday. And he said, she's probably taking a doc eight. And, uh, Matt said to him, um, well, I hope she's okay. And he responded, um, well, you know how Janelle is. She's a little crazy. Now from the first episode, you know how I feel about being called crazy. Right. Um, this was during the period that I um, had to make an emergency appointment and Mm -hmm. everything. So I wasn't my best version of myself, but you're supposed to care about me 
And for you to call me that is extremely hurtful. So my feelings towards this person have changed um, because of that. Uh, not solely because of that, obviously, but um, that is extremely hurtful. Well, it's a hard hit to take. Oh, yeah. And to hear it from someone else. But what I um, appreciate most about Matt is how he responded to him. And Matt told him, everyone is crazy if they're pushed far enough. So to me, that felt like Matt was defending me. Absolutely. And I needed somebody to defend me in that moment. Um, it says a lot about people who take care of your name when you're not around. And um, I know that Matt cares about me and that Matt respects me. And that right there proved it to me. So, um, yeah, things have changed a little bit in that that situation. Um, things have also changed, excuse me, with a couple other people in my life. Um, I've been best friends with this girl for, excuse me, um, 30 years. <laughs> so she takes no shit from me at all. Right. And uh, she pretty much told me to get my poop in a group and to stop acting like this and to stop treating people you know, like they're disposable to me because I'm hurting. And she was like, we all have your best interest in, in mind. You know, take everything people say to you with a grain of salt. You know, don't get defensive about it because you're hurting. You know, we're, we're saying this from a good place. So, of course, during that time, my feelings towards her, you know, I was upset. You know, like, you're my best friend. You're supposed to be right behind me you know, with my hype sign, you know, and she was like, I'm not playing this game with you. You know, like you need some hard truth right now and you need some tough love. And, you know, I'm doing this because I love you. So I was mad for a little bit, but then I had to realize everything that she said was true and that it was coming from a good place. And I had to put my anger because I was angry for a few weeks I had to put that anger aside and um, my voice is getting a little shaky. <laughs> um, I just, I have a great support group and the people who love you and they want what's good for you sometimes will tell you what you don't want to hear, but you need to hear. Right. And that's what she was doing. So. So as we're coming out of this, um, I don't know what you want. I don't want to. I don't want to. Coming call out. It, I don't want to call it a downward spiral because it was, though. I mean, usually, but usually when you hear the words downward spiral, like there is no uh, light at the end of that proverbial tunnel. And I don't feel like that's the case here. So you are coming back up out of the valley, I guess. Well, you're climbing your way back up out of the valley. Like you would, you know. Mm -hmm. From the time I was here, the first time you were up on the mountaintop, you you took the roller coaster down, the elevator went down. Now we're coming back up out, out of it. What is the biggest challenge that you are encountering right now as you are coming out of this funk, 
for the lack of better term. Um, I made a post on Facebook today that said that um, I might be in mania. Um, I am not in mania. Uh, I think that's kind of challenging, um, just being overproductive. Um, and that's what I meant by mania. Mm -hmm. um, I'm doing, I'm cleaning my closet out. I'm remodeling my bathroom. I'm doing a couple different projects and like everything is partially done because I'm, I'm being overproductive right now. Um, it's like I've gotten um, like a double shot of endorphins and I'm feeling good again. Um, I've made some healthy boundaries with people. I've gotten rid of some things in my life and I'm, now I'm like actively trying to feel good and, and that's challenging in itself. Um, because when you're feeling bad for so long to try to turn it around and feel good, um, it's, it's hard to be positive, especially when you're coming out of something. I mean, I'm on new medication, so that's, that is helping. Um, but, uh, I'm, I'm trying to process my change in mood, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. um, that can be overwhelming. Uh, and I think that's why I've started so many different projects and stopped them. Um, I get overwhelmed with doing it, and then I revisit it later. That is challenging. Um, I made, um, I said I made a Facebook post earlier today about um, not being depressed anymore. And uh, it's because I'm manic now. Um, I'm not manic. Uh, people who are in mania don't know that they're in mania, and I am conscious of what's going on. Um, I'm just making like a comparison to how I was, to how I am. And uh, I don't want to offend anybody who, is, who has um, manic episodes because I've only been manic once in my life. And it was before I was even diagnosed. Right. Um, so um, I don't mean to make light of that. Uh, but it, it, it's, it's challenging. Um, I'm trying to get back to what I was a month ago, um, which is the lighthearted, you know, um, compassionate, empathetic person that I was. And uh, that is very challenging. But you're making strides. I'm trying, yes. You are, and I can tell that you are because the aura was different again here today <laughs> when I walked in here tonight to, to do this because, like we've said, this is the second time we've tried to do the follow-up. Mm -hmm. And the aura... 2.2. Yeah, 2.2. It's kind of how I have it listed, too. <laughs> uh, because full full disclosure, that the, the first attempt at the follow-up, the one that you want to dump, is still in the can. I know. And the reason I kept it in the can and did not delete it is for you to have a personal reference for... If there's ever a time where you want to revisit that just for comparison and contrast, I saved that for you. Thank you. And did not dump it all the way out of the system. It'll... I am glad that we didn't put that out because although I meant all of it, um, it was spiteful. Mm -hmm. And uh, I would have been doing more damage than I um, 
would have been doing good. And it wasn't a fair representation of my mental health journey. It was more me venting. Yeah. But, you know, sometimes you got to have that. Oh, yeah. I listen to it. (laughs) You you have to have that. uh, You have to have an avenue where you feel comfortable, Mm -hmm. not judged, not condemned for how and what you feel, which I feel like you deal or have dealt with for a long time. You know, whether you realize it or not, there's something in the recesses of, of your brain that, uh, you know, you you do worry about how things are going to be received, how you're going to be received. Yes. Um, now, as you're coming out of this, I am starting to see and hear and feel that aura of that confident woman that greeted me at the door the la- the very <laughs> first time I was over here. And like I I can see the significant difference between three and a half weeks ago to where we are here and now. As you embark on this, um, you know, truth be told, we're coming into a new year. You new know, year new me yeah we talked about that all you know during uh you know before we came out came on the air here but you know to some people that's what they stake all of their new beginnings on it happens on january the first and you know blah 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 there's other people that, that don't buy into that whatever day they start embarking on a particular challenge that's when it is but there's still that uh, that kind of kind of a sense of a clean slate as you come into a new year, even subconsciously. So my question is this: As you are coming into 2024, do you ha- do you or have you set any type of goals that you would like to accomplish, either personally or otherwise? Because I feel like setting goals will result in better success than a quote unquote resolution well um one of the goals that i have for myself um is to stop letting um like outside influences affect how i feel about myself um i've always been an open person um and i want to continue that and uh the less I let outside factors affect me, the better I can be at that. Mm-hmm. Um, I am transparent with my mental illness. I talk about it a lot on Facebook and um, to friends of mine and to people I work with and whatever. I'm not shy about my journey and that's another thing that i would like to continue doing um within the last month people have seen me go from high to low and through that journey i think other people are recognizing things about themselves and recently i've i've had two different people contact me on facebook or text message and tell me that they are not doing well and they would like some tips <coughs> or um, what can I do 
Um, one of these individuals messaged me this morning and told me that they haven't eaten in a long time. And I don't know what they mean um, by a long time, but I encourage them to try to eat, even if it's something small. Because when you're depressed, it is hard to eat. Mm -hmm. You don't want to eat. You don't want to shower. You don't want to do your normal stuff. But it's important that your body gets nourishment. And I can relate to that. So I encourage them, like, even if it's just something, even if it's half a banana, you know, you're important. You are valued. And there are people here that need you here. So you, even if it's hard, you have to take care of yourself. So I think even before the new year, my goals are progressing pretty good. Um, while we sat at this table, I received a text message um, from someone that said that they wanted to um, unalive themselves. Yeah. And uh, although this is a very morbid topic and not something people are comfortable talking about. I am grateful that people are comfortable talking about it with me. And um, I make myself attainable to people for this reason. I'm vocal about how I'm feeling. And I think that gives people a sense of security, knowing that they can come to me and saying, hey, I know that you've felt this way before. Help me not feel this way. Right. So my goals would be to continue that. Um, I would also like to find a new psychiatrist. I know that's a bit off topic, but I don't, um, I don't mesh well with my psychiatrist. Um, I want to be with someone who... I feel comfortable with and uh, I feel like my psychiatrist uh, rushes me out of his office and I, I don't like that no sir no especially when you're talking about things that open up these different levels of vulnerability mm -hmm. uh, that unto itself is that is a tremendous responsibility for anybody if somebody is giving you a piece of their vulnerability and you are making them feel anything other uh, or any type of ill feeling, being rushed or not caring or whatever, um, that's that's a problem. And yeah. so with that, you know, I really hope that you are able to find somebody that you, for the lack of a better term, mess well with. I have my feelers out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's where it starts. You know, you don't know unless you do some exploration and research. I mean, I was grateful that they got me in when they did, especially because it was emergency. Sure. Um, but uh, I just need somebody that um, was like my previous psychiatrist, and I was so sad when he um, he went to the VA hospital, which his services are better utilized there. But I'm not a service member, right. <laughs> so it bums me out sure. that I can't follow him. And I, I had such a great rapport with him, and uh, I really felt like he cared about me. Like, he cared about me. Mm -hmm. And my current psychiatrist, I don't feel like he really cares. He's just like, 
here's your drugs. <laughs> Much like you had you had described in the first episode mm-hmm. when you were trying to get properly diagnosed and it was real quick to just throw a bottle of pills at you. Here you go. This is what you need. And I, I feel this way about um, like everyone. Um, this is going to be a broad statement. Um, I feel like how you do one thing is how you do everything. And if he's rushing me out, he's rushing all his other patients out. And uh, I feel like when you are entrusted with somebody's mental well-being, there has to be a there has to be some line of um, I don't know how I want to word this. I know what I, I feel, but I can't get it out. Um, you have to. Is there? Do you feel there's a level of trust that's be that's being compromised? Not compromised because I know that he's not discussing my stuff with anybody else. It's just like I feel like I should be able to go in there and speak to him like we're friends and that he is listening to what I'm feeling and he wants to help me. And what I get when I go in there is just like, how are you sleeping? How are you eating? Okay, here's your meds. Like, during all this stuff that I just went through, I had two appointments with him. I had my normal appointment, which I told him I'm under extreme stress and anxiety. So he said, we're going to bump up your one medication. And I told him, I said, that's not going to help. I need something that when I'm having an anxiety attack that I can take and it stops it. Like, my previous doctor, when I was having bouts of anxiety, he prescribed me a low-dose Xanax. Xanax works almost immediately. Um, you take it 20 minutes later, you feel better. Um, what he bumped up was my Buspar, which is, it helps with anxiety. But if I'm taking it every day, I'm getting a tolerance to it. And if I have an anxiety attack, that tolerance isn't going to help that attack that I'm having. So when he did that, I felt like he wasn't listening to me. Like I need something immediate, something that's going to help this anxiety attack that I'm having. And he wasn't hearing me. So I need somebody who's who listens to me. Well, there are, uh, there's, Having said that, um, I want to see what what all we can do too in, in in terms of trying to. There's people in the network that have um, contacts to different professionals in this mm-hmm. realm, and as you were laying that out, like it started popping into my head. So I'm gonna I'm going to do some research and see what we can do to kind of get you in the right right direction or at least provide you with a couple of options i've heard really good things about better health mm-hmm. which is an online thing mm-hmm. and i'm going to look into that um even if it's just like once a week that i get on and just talk to a counselor um but that's another goal of mine in the new year is to really find a psychiatrist that works for me if it takes me a minute it takes me a minute yeah but certainly one of those things you 
don't want to rush just because feeling having a um, an established comfort level is really going to be a make or break situation in terms of the quote unquote success that you're looking for mm-hmm. in this case strong mental health yes um, and i'm already feeling better so that's a good that's a good thing to to embark on that journey because when you're when you're feeling bad that's when you you most need a psychiatrist yeah. but you're you're settling because right. you just you need help from anybody right. so now that I'm actively feeling better, I have to find somebody that's going to work for me. Well, I'm going to do everything I can to help you with this. I appreciate that. Um, <clears throat> you've laid a lot of information out in terms <laughs> of, you know, your story, your journey as, as you have dealt with this. And, like, I... I got something of a preview of sorts um, before coming and actually recording this conversation. Uh, this is something that I, truth be told, I, I could take this into so many goddamn sidebars <laughs> and, and deep dives. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we could be here until fucking midnight if, we, <laughs> if, I, if I really, did, you know, wanted to do it or if we really did this deep dive in the way that you know really peeling the curtain back and things of this nature but i feel like we have done um you have done a tremendous job in thank you in in this time you've you've told your story and what's most important is once again you know the silver lining is if there is any you are ending your appearance on this episode with a glimmer of hope. Yes. And I have, like, I knew why you wanted to dump the last recording, but it, uh, when you say it, it, it wasn't represent, it was not representing your mental health journey. I, I have a better understanding of that now, right, of right now. <clears throat> and, um, I want nothing but good for you. I know. I want nothing but happiness for you. I <laughs> want you to be the best version of yourself. And whatever I can do, and I know I, you know, there's going to be other people that hear this, and there's going to be other people in your life that will, will share the same sentiment, but in all honesty and all sincerity. Whatever I can do, if there's something that you think that I can do to help you with your journey to get you to be the best version of yourself, like I am here for it. I know okay. you are. And um, look, all full disclosure, I feel like at this point, uh, I don't want to, I, I, I know this is going to come off sounding really egotistical, but... <laughs> It is what it is at this point. Um, I feel like I have a pretty good under. I think I have a better understanding of what makes you tick than a lot of other people. Not most other people, but a lot of other people. I would say that's fair. Um, so I need you to know that, um, you know, obviously with me, you have a safe space. 
with whether it's recorded for the world to listen to or not um i'm always going to have your back i'm always going to be on your side i'm always going to be your your loudest you know cheerleader or, or what have you because you're one of the good people in this world you're one of the blessings in my life and i want nothing but the absolute best for you and if that means i have to drop a motherfucker every <laughs> once in a while i have absolutely zero problem in doing so i've got a lot of experience in that realm as well i know you do um you are awesome and what you have done here in your appearances yeah it's been something of a cleansing for you you've been able to clear your mind a little bit you've been able to put your shit out here but you're also helping other people and you don't even you don't even realize it because other people are going through something very similar and they are in their part of a journey where there there's nothing that's going to help me well they just listen to you i just wanted to say how grateful i am that you've given me a platform to do this on because it is cleansing for me in a way and um i also wanted to tell you that i love you and that i am so grateful for our friendship you are um one of my biggest cheerleaders and without you knowing it um you help me almost every day Sometimes I wake up and you send me a message and it's just a little thing or like a gift or something like that. And it really changes how my day goes. So um, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I'm going to start crying. Thank you for letting me do this. And thank you for being such a good friend. This is what I do this for <laughs> is for you to have that platform uh your friend like i i value uh what friendships are supposed to be uh, you know on l levels that most people don't take the time to to consider but i am of of the mindset where you know i don't want anybody to ever understand you know n not know where where i'm coming from mm -hmm. you know so anyway um and as as with with anything else your story does not end here this is not what defines you this is just part of your journey that's right. part of who and what you are and like i'm i'm here i got front row seat for the next chapter or the next go around what, what whatever the case may be so uh before we put a bow on this is there anything else you want to throw out there in the first episode I said that um, I was grateful for having bipolar disorder because it doesn't define me, mm -hmm. but it's part of who I am. Mm -hmm. And I still feel that way. Um, I like who I am. And without having dark days, you don't appreciate the good days. Absolutely. So um, I just wanted to remind everyone listening that if you have mental illness, it doesn't define you. It is part of you. And you're pretty great. Can't think of a better way to put, a, you know, to end the show, to put a bow on this. So we will go ahead and let you guys know if you have any questions, comments, feedback, show topic ideas, anything of the sort. 
we want to hear it, send it to the Klaus to the Heart Facebook page, Klaus to the Heart at gmail.com or Klaus to the Heart.net, the official website of this network. And go check out the online store, cafepress.com forward slash PFC Network. Um, all kinds of new merchandise is has either been uploaded or will by the time you hear this. So ch- check all that out. And with that, uh, go out, be awesome to yourselves and to each other. And we'll see you next time right here on the Claws to the Heart podcast, the flagship show of the PFC. Yeah. <laughs> oh. I was going to say bye. Uh, <laughs> I like, Am I missing something? Here? Of the flagship show of the PFC Network. <laughs> <laughs>